Good evening. Goodbye Forever, Volume 2 by Naptang Rinpoche. Chapter 28, Part 2. Cynthia must have caught a glimpse of Jack before he scooted under the table. And all I could hope was that she'd eventually decide it had been some kind of hallucination. This was about the most ridiculous situation I'd found myself in for a long time. I wondered how it would all end up and whether I could describe such a scene to Dudjum Rinpoche. I could not imagine how he might respond to hearing such an account. There was no way that I would hide it from him. I would have to ask him whether I had acted appropriately or not. I remembered the words of Tudjum Rinpoche. With each life circumstance, whatever is enacted, stare directly into the enactment with all the senses. A member of staff approached Cynthia and said, You'll need to order something to eat or drink. You can't just sit here. The cafe's for paying customers. Cynthia ordered a cup of coffee with cream. It arrived. I had her in my peripheral vision and noted the three heaped spoons of sugar she shoveled into her coffee. She then sat sipping it with a seriously sullen expression. I continued making notes around the theme of poetry that I was writing. Within the swollen arc of time, acrid tang of weak coffee, open distance between cafe windows and walls, dull pink envelope of arithmetically distended vision, trouser-suited gorgonzola snapping sullen questions. A body asking to be real, tight thumbs and swollen fingers, arch above chartered indices falling through heat, turbid tyrannical flubness. Point-blank barrage, Birdless bird on wingless wings of airless, wordless verbiage. Lizard of gizzard flapping blind, burst duvet sunset of flying feathers, cross-referencing in forever never. Boneless indicators of visual somnolence, flesh disappears, overawed by inviolable velvet of early evening. Night tunnelling toward night through night, composed of night, sucking night in the pink riptide, distance lies. Whether travelling backwards or forwards, but spies on itself in order to inhale its carnival attar of roses, eats the air, sears floor, already baked with hyacinth and ruddy after images of violence. You are buff, not? And when did you last see your father? He died two weeks ago. Please go away. Not my finest work by any means, but with Cynthia glowering at me like a bird of prey, writing poetry was not the totally absorbing pursuit it could be. In the end, however, Cynthia gave up her vigil. A man had exited the toilet, he didn't appear to be Jack, sideburns notwithstanding, 
and so she must have decided that her errand was fruitless. She and her pink trouser suit stood up and proceeded to leave the nostril. I continued crossing out words of poetry and replacing them with better words. I pretended to jot down notes and all the while I tried to keep her retreating mass indirectly in sight. She paid for her coffee, she left, but hung around outside for some moments. She occasionally seemed to be leaving the vicinity of the cafe, but then she'd suddenly reappear. I kept a running report to Jack under the table till she finally vanished. I caught sight of her a few minutes later. She's now crossing West Street and about to go into Woolworths. So, unless it's a ruse, I think you're safe. Phew, that was close, Jack sighed. You know, I live in dread of bumping into that evil mutant cow. She'd attack me in the fucking street, you know. There'd be no holding her back and that'd be really bad for business. I mean, if any of my customers got to see me lunatic ex-wife screaming at me in the street, they'd run a mile. God, she's worse than one of those things in Doctor Who. You know, the rabid squealing bastards that eat you alive if you fall into the radioactive swamp. I remember those things. Blimey, Jack, if it's that bad. I mean, if she ever did attack you in the street, you could get a restraining order. A what? A restraining order. It's something you can get from the court if you're beleaguered. Be whatted? Beleaguered, you know, hounded, hassled, hectored or harangued. Right, so what then? You just need to satisfy a judge that you're subject to harassment, so you'd need a witness. You'd see a solicitor about making the application, but someone would have had to have seen her attacking you. I mean, I could speak up about how she came in here stalking you, but I've not seen anything worse than that yet. Really? Maybe it will be worth it getting attacked. Just for the once, I mean. Well, she's over in Woolworths, if you're up for it. I'll go with you, if you like. Mm, well, maybe not today. I've got, well, there's this fierce bird I'm meeting later and I don't want a black eye or nothing, if you know what I mean. Can understand that, Jack. You know, she accused me of ruining her life. Can you believe it? Like now, she's a divorcee or whatever, and it's damaged her chances of marriage. I told her right out, mate, that being a sexless, boring, obese slob was the main thing that ruined her chances of marriage. That was tactful of you, Jack, I grinned in a somewhat vague manner. Jack burst out laughing. Yeah, mate, know what you mean, know what you mean, but... It did me good to say it, he cackled. You know, I can't always summon up the nerve to stand up for myself and, well, she couldn't have it all her own way, could she? I mean, with screaming abuse and that. You know me, I'm, well, 
I've always chickened out, but sometimes I can rise to the occasion, you know, like the little red rooster. Yeah, Jack, you can, and you could have won the Pulitzer Prize for that one. Jack missed my pun, but I had not wished to vaunt my wit at his expense. I remember how it was when you faced your parents down, I continued, over splitting up with Cynthia the first time. You were a hero. Yeah, bloody hero, all right, but that didn't last long. Then, then they just all ganged up on me, didn't they? They just bloody wore me down. They kept up the pressure day after sodding day till I gave in. Yeah, don't say it, I know. You'd have left home, like that military haircut thing with your father. Wasn't thinking of mentioning it, Jack. Wasn't in my mind. I'm the last person to judge anyone for decisions they feel forced to make. I've not always been as brave as I appeared to be back then. All I'd say is that I was still in Farnham at the time you were being forced to marry Synth, and it's a shame you couldn't have called me up, you know, for support or whatever. I could have found you a place to stay with someone at art school. Really? You'd have done that? No question, Jack, I answered in some astonishment. Why wouldn't I have wanted to help you out? Jack looked a little embarrassed. Right, well, yeah, cheers, mate. Even though it's a bit late now, it's always good to hear. Jack lay back in his seat again as he had done earlier. He stretched his legs and put his hands behind his head. He stared at the ceiling and a resentful look clouded his face again. She was like something out of a bloody lunatic asylum for the obese by the time I left. You should have seen her. I just did, Jack, if you remember. Right, yeah, of course. What she looked like? I couldn't see her from where I was. She was the size of a bloody rigid dirigible when I left her. Marshmallow Zeppelin is what I used to call her. Well, Jack, I've never been one to have a prejudice against size or anything, but I can't take issue with the fact that she's a generous addition to the planet. Exactly, a fat, ugly sow the size of half a dozen blue whales, Jack responded with some vehemence. I knew I should not have given him the encouragement of my concluding remark, so I said, Blue whales are noble creatures, Jack. I saw a documentary once. But Jack was on a roll and continued, You know I had to wait two years for a bloody divorce because she contested it? I finally got it on two years separation. Anyhow, now it's over. Gone out the bleeding window. Good riddance to bad rubbish, I say. Well, Jack, lucky escape, I'd say. I hope you'll find someone pleasant, generous and kind-hearted next time. Too right, mate. Some luscious bint with whacking great carpets who gladstones like a nymphomaniac rabbit. Jack had not improved in terms of his view of women or sexuality. 
and I tried my best not to look too appalled by his statement of intent. Good luck, Jack, as I said. I hope you find someone pleasant, generous and kind-hearted. And, you know, Jack, the most important thing is that whoever she is, she will be your friend. Synth was never your friend. That was the main problem. I know you didn't respect her, but she didn't respect you either. And that is a recipe for disaster. I think both your families saw your marriage as some sort of business agreement. I don't think sexuality, let alone love, was part of the picture they had in mind. Well, that's true enough. It wasn't fun being married to the hippo from hell. Well, maybe, Jack, but if that hippopotamus had loved you and been your friend, you might have found yourself having a different view. You know, people tend to say things about people being fat or skinny, mainly when they have unpleasant personalities. Do you remember that girl Miranda Morton who used to get up and dance at the Queen's Oak? She was fairly Rubenesque and she was a real live wire. She was witty and good-natured and I'd have been interested in her if it hadn't been for Lindy. Well, that and the fact that it was obvious to the rest of us that she gave you the glad eye more than once. Did she now? Jack smiled, obviously feeling pleased. Right, interesting. Never thought about it like that. It's worth remembering, Jack. Everyone looks like hell when they get old, and it's best to grow old with your best friend. So when I said I hoped you'd find someone pleasant, that is what I meant. Right, see what you mean. Jack was lost in a reverie for some moments. But then suddenly, look, right, thanks for covering for me. I mean, really, couldn't have been easy. But man, you were as cool as the proverbial cucumber. Never heard the like. Thought you Buddhists didn't tell porkies, though. We don't, and I didn't tell any absolute flat-out porkies, Jack, I said. I suppose I obfuscated. Even though you what? Obfuscated, you know, masked, disguised, veiled, obscured, concealed, confounded, camouflaged, masqueraded, put out a decoy, threw up a smokescreen, shook her off the scent, confused the trail. You always did talk like you'd swallowed the dictionary, Jack laughed. Anyhow, tell me how you didn't tell any porkies then. Well, I said I wasn't Farquhar Arbuthnot because I'm not. I wasn't even Farquhar Arbuthnot at the time. You called me that, but Ron called me Frank. Steve called me Vic. Yet, yeah, true enough. Now I'm Chugyam, so that much is also true. All right. I know I said I didn't know any John or Jack Hackman, because I don't. Not at this point in time, at least. You're jumping Jack Flashman now, so that's also true.
in a manner of speaking. Right, and then you said you were saving the seat for a friend who'd be appearing soon. Yeah, I get it. And then I appeared, didn't I? Just like you said. Very bloody clever, if I may say so. You'd make a great con artist. A great con artist, eh? How had this happened? How had I started out simply trying to be friendly and non-judgmental and ended up giving the impression that Buddhists could be confidence tricksters? The thing about the lying, Jack, is that I wasn't lying to gain anything for myself. I'm not about to launch into a discussion of Buddhism or anything, so don't get worried, but I wouldn't like to leave you with a false impression. Buddhism's primarily concerned with intention and motivation. And my purpose was to spare you the wrath of the pink trouser-suited Avenger. And I'm glad I did. You know, that pink trouser suit almost gave me brain damage as it was. But I moved my head slowly from side to side almost reeling from the memory of the vitriol I'd seen in Cynthia's face. She had more rage in her than, well, I don't think I've ever seen that much contained rage before. I really do think she'd have made a horrible scene here, if nothing else. Yeah, right, so you see what I mean. Anyhow, enough of the homicidal harpy from Hazelmere. Nice alliteration, Jack, I threw in to change the subject. Yeah, well, I used to like the way you did that, and it hit me, sort of, that there was nothing stopping me kissing the Blarney Stone, too. Goes down well in my line of work. Tell you about that later, but tell us about this Inja thing. How long you going for? Around nine months or so. Bloody hell, mate, what will you do there all that time? I'll study and then practice what I've studied. I was trying to make it simple. Right, well, that'll be interesting, will it? Yes, and they'll be painting as well. I'll be learning Tibetan iconographic painting and, well, best not to bore you with the details. So, that will get you good money at some point, will it? Probably not, no. Then what the hell are you doing it for? The only answer to that, Jack, is that I'm just doing it because it's what I love to do. And then I'll see what happens. How was I to make sense of Vadriana for Jumping Jack Flashman?